Excuse me, can I please talk to you for a minute? Uh-huh, sure. You know, you look kind of familiar. Yeah, you do too. I just want to know, do you know a podcast named The Podcast Is Mine? Oh yeah, I know that podcast. I just want to let you know that it's mine. No, no, it's mine. Hi, and welcome to The Podcast Is Mine. I'm Sunny Grawl. And I'm Bhushan Kumar. How are you, Sunny? I'm really good, Bhushan. How have you been? What have you been up to? I've been good. Well, do you know what? I was thinking we should give a name to this segment. Okay. So okay. I, well, let's, let's crown it. I think it's time to crown it. Let's go. So are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Listeners, brace yourselves. Uh, so we're going to call this Diary of His Own One Home. Oh my gosh. And you can imagine the diary. It's like one of those like leather-bound it's diaries. <laughs> It's huge. It's huge, like, you know, yeah, exactly, like, fits into our, it's like a big Philofax, so for the kids who don't know what a Philofax is, that's your Google assignment for today. Oh my Go and Google the Philofax. It's like, like a cassette tape. Yes, exactly. You might need to Google that as well. So yeah, no, we've got Diary of His Own One host. So what's it. your entry this week into this So my entry is actually, I left Zone One. <gasps> I know. It was, oh my God. I, I Are did, you okay? I did. did I you got, get your vaccination? I, did. I had quarantine before and after. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Lake Como. <gasps> It uh-huh. was absolutely beautiful. The weather was gorgeous. So, where, sorry, where is Lake Como for anyone? Lake who Como was in Italy, in northern Italy, <gasps> and oh my god, the the food and the scenery. I'm gonna have to get some pictures posted to our Instagram because Bushan, it was absolutely breathtaking. I've Aww. never seen such a beautiful lake with like so many cute little villages. I got boats down, loads of little towns, and. I just feel so, like, excited that I had that during this time as well. Yeah. It's just such a difficult time to go away. Mm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Oh, wow. How was the weather? It was 31 degrees. So oh, I So, walking hate around in that, it was just so difficult. It just made the pictures turn out even better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, everyone jealous when I got back on Sunday. I thought, I'm not posting a single thing until I get back. Because mm. I thought, I don't want any kind of bad karma while mm. I'm there. But, yeah. I love that. Oh, it's amazing. And do you know what? Actually, God bless you, because when the day after, it was really warm here. Oh and, like, and you know, as you as we all know, sunny brings the sunshine, like, baked into your name. Exactly. Because <laughs> I think I saw you just the weekend before. Yes. And I thought, oh, my God, the weather's amazing. I'm definitely off this week. Mm. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go away. So I booked it on the Sunday. I went away on Tuesday. And I think the weather kind of got a bit cooler when I went away. Oh, God. And yeah. then I came back on Sunday, and it was hot again. Oh, it perked up for two days. So like. Oh, my God. I was literally in the park, sunbathing, and, like, now that's it. Oh, my God. It's so sad it's over now. I know. The wind and just, It's going to be difficult. I know. We're going to... I mean, I am looking forward to cosy weather. Like, I do, like... Exactly. Wrapping up, getting into a blanket, and having your hot drinks. My hot drinks and watching, you know, TV and stuff like that. But at the same time, it's just, like, kind of, like, daylight's going to be, like, (laughs) over before you... It's going to be dark, like, you know, in the middle of the afternoon. That seasonal adjustment disorder. It's, like, it hits people in the summer, let alone in winter. It's so depressing and I think we have to find ways to kind of be outside a little bit more yes make the most of the daylight hours that we've got absolutely and hopefully like you know and we have got loads of like festive occasions coming up so hopefully people are putting their decorations up and stuff yes. Diwali so, Diwali in November yeah yes. but then we've got Christmas in and then uh, Halloween I think will probably be a quieter affair this year though I know it's not going to be like the times of old when remember oh my god do you remember <laughs> me and Bushman went to this amazing Halloween night where was so it was in now? East London it was in um, oh god what was it called was it called the work i don't know it's some big old build gas old you that like old gas building or something because that's where we performed the boy is mine do you remember oh my god we did the moment where it was like yeah we did a little video didn't we a we video tearing each other down oh my god yeah do you remember because we, you we were both dressed up in like halloween cost uh stuff oh yeah so i was I, johnny depp from <laughs> pirates i was just some hole with like a really you were skeleton with a hole. 
<laughs> they got like a, a crop top or I slashed it so badly so you could just see. You could see everything. Nothing. It's like literally, what, what are we looking at here? And then do you remember we, like, we, we staged a fight? Like, do you remember? And then also, like, there was also something funny about that night as well. Do you remember who came with us? Oh, oh <laughs> After my. all the drama can and last time. Can we even talk about this properly? I, well, just... well, on our OnlyFans, we can. Yes. So... <laughs> but just the abridged version is, we were meant to be accompanied by two other Pe- persons. <laughs> <laughs> but very last minute, something came up and we didn't believe the story. No, we, oh, my God. It was such a fake out. And we were, like, trying to call them out on it. There were, like, tears in the bathroom, apparently, just before <laughs> something had happened, and that's why they couldn't go anymore. Oh, my like, God. It was so real Housewives, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> a def- we didn't believe any of it. We didn't believe any of it. From the moment it happened, like, we saw the change, and then we yeah. were just like... And that wasn't even the Halloween one. That was a summer one. <laughs> that was a summer one as <laughs> There's well. a summer one that they flipped on, and then, like, oh, uh, then they came with us the Halloween one, and then left early as well, and it's just like, God. Next, you know what? They're just not fabulous. Like, no, To hang exactly. out with us. And then, because the one after that was the jungle one. And for that, you do have to listen to the OnlyFans because we can't repeat what happens. <laughs> We're getting deep into the diary of a Zone One here. <laughs> Dear diary, I had my we pipes cleaned. We have to do a few little snapbacks to some of the pictures we took during that one as well. As we have to drop diary. them as a throwback Thursday. Exactly. <laughs> but how about you, Bush, and what have you been up to? Well, I actually left Zone One as well. Oh, my goodness. But Did only you... to go Zone Four. <laughs> so you definitely need a gas mask. Well, yeah, I needed a visa. You got a but, nosebleed, didn't you? Yeah, that I did. Altitude. Oh, God, oh, it was yeah. all kinds of things. Like, the water tastes different there. Oh, God. <laughs> I couldn't, couldn't put my finger on it. But um, it's actually wonderful because um, there were some friends who I hadn't seen since okay. we quarantined. Uh, my oh, besties, my really, really close friends. And they're also mums as well. Good. So now that the little shits are back at school. Thank God, like, they're free again to do stuff. Free to be, like, life. adults again. Yeah. So it's really lovely just going, meeting up, Good. having a coffee. Like, it was all outdoors. It was all socially distant. And mm. it's just really nice to reconnect. Because like, it felt like we hadn't, the, the whole last six months hadn't happened, you know. Because mm. that's the wonderful thing about, like, your chosen family. When you go and meet people who, like, you know, very important yeah. in your life, you just, you can pick up from wherever you exactly. left from. Yeah. So it was really nice to see them oh, and just wow. kind of, and I've been, I've been a real social bunny this month, which has been quite nice. Nice. I'm glad to hear it. And I think it's easy to get into a bit of a habit where you're not probably pushing yourself to go a little bit further. I mean, obviously. <laughs> wow. Do you know who you're talking I mean, to? Yeah, know, exactly. We don't like to do that anyway. mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. I Died reflex. Yeah. By, I got cursed by the gods for making that <laughs> But it's good that you're getting back into a routine and you're getting to see your friends as well. Yeah, exactly. I think it's so important because I think, like, it's so easy to... Like, we've all been feeling it recently. It's been hard. And it's been hard. And I think even now with the six-month kind of wall that we've all hit, so it's really important to, like, kind of take care of yourself and your mental health and do things which, you know, talk about... If you can talk to someone, do it. It's, like, really important. Reach out to people. Like, obviously, Mm -hmm. we could have, like, Zoomed and stuff, but we just had the opportunity to meet in real life. So we were like... Let's take this opportunity now because we don't know if we'll have it later on. Yeah. So it was it was really, really good. And like it's done me like a world of good as well. I'm glad to hear it. I feel like this is something we need to find a way to live with. Yes. So if we don't have some sort of routine of seeing each other in between these kind of maybe mini lockdowns, mm-hmm. then we're going to struggle, aren't we? So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We need some sort some semblance of normality. Good. Well, anyway, Bushan, what are we talking about today? Yes, so today, so closing the Zone 1, the Diary of oh, the Zone diary 1, how, the diary is now kept away. <laughs> so heavy. <laughs> exactly, for safekeeping in a very safe place. Um, today, actually, this is one podcast I've been really excited about. Um, okay. We're going to talk about the experience of being British Asian. Oh, it's just about time. Yes, exactly. We need this. So um, we'll be right back after this. 
Okay, and we are back. Okay, so today, uh, what we're gonna so we're gonna talk about uh, being British Asian. So growing up as British Asian, British, I can't say, I can't speak properly. You What's can't wrong? Word. It's both of us. It's me <laughs> make, mocking all those zone two. People. Zone two people, exactly. See, oh, karma yeah, keeps receipts. Everybody, telling you. Um, so growing up as British Asians in the UK is a weird and wonderful experience. I mean, it's wonderful as we have a rich cultural heritage to celebrate and be proud of. But it's also weird as some of the reactions in, and encounters that we've had directed towards us based upon our race mm. truly make us wonder about the world we live in. Mm. So, yeah, so like I was saying, I was really excited to kind of like explore like this topic it. because mm. um, I, I should like say that we like clarify that we are British Indian. Yes. Because British Asian is such a... It's a very diverse part. It's a very... Di- yeah. And like I don't mm. want anyone kind of listening and thinking that we speak for every... Yeah. You, because there's so many different strands of British Asian, we are just one voice amongst the many. Because yeah. it can be very easy, I think, sometimes if you don't know about a culture or something, to assume that one yeah. person and like we're one, we, we're not we're our not saying we're different to everybody else's precisely, and we're not saying that we speak for everybody either. We're just no. putting our own voices across. At yeah. the same time, you know, our voices are very valid and mm. our experiences. And I think a lot of people, some things will resonate and some things won't. Yeah, and that's a good point. Yes. I always say British Asian, but yeah, we're, we're Indian, aren't we? We're North Indian in terms of descent. Yeah, exactly. Punjabi. If you want to break it down even further, exactly. Yeah, yeah, Punjabi, there's so yeah. many different ways, and that, mm. it's something that is probably not even very obvious to people. But no, because yeah. I think a lot of people. Because the other thing is as well, for like for our US audience, like Asian means from the Far East okay. or Southeast Into Asia. The US, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, and like may not necessarily. Whereas in the UK, when you say Asian, yeah. well, definitely. A lot of people's perception is that, you know, uh, Indian, Pakistani, Bengali, Sri Lankan, Nepalese, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, yeah, I mean, there are, there's a lot of kind of nuance around Definitely. it and stuff like that. So just to get that disclaimer out there. Before... <laughs> yes, we don't speak for everyone. Yeah, we don't speak to everyone, but what we have to say is important as well. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, starting off, Sunny, what was your earliest memory of being British Asian? It's a really good question. I was trying to think through what, you know just general memories of my childhood. And I thought, well, how can I relate them to being British Asian? It's hard, isn't it? Because mm. it's like, when did I first realise I was gay? Or when did I first realise I was, I don't know, living in the Midlands and yeah. it wasn't where I was destined <laughs> You weren't in zone one, exactly. <laughs> so so we've talked about this before. Mm. I grew up in Wolverhampton. Mm-hmm. So it was quite diverse, actually. Like, large Asian community, um, lots of people that were black, um, so why it was just a mix it was such a blend so mm. I, I didn't ever necessarily feel conscious of it so much because I just my school was really mixed and the community I lived in was very mixed so I didn't always think about being British Asian but obviously it was every part of who I was yeah um, because you know growing up um, going to school and you know feeling like okay look I've got parents at home that can speak another language and that felt really I don't know it just felt normal to me mm-hmm. um, but my dad um, pretty much practically grew up in the UK he sounds English yeah. like you wouldn't know that he is like Indian if you spoke to him on the phone and I give that example because I remember one of my friends called home once and from school and she was like oh who is that man that answered I was like oh it's my dad and she's like oh he just sounds like he's from here and I just that it kind of caught me off guard a bit I was like oh where did you think he was from and then I thought oh, of course because you because of how I look mm-hmm. you just assume that maybe my parents would be very very kind of I don't know Asian in some way and my mum is she she was born and raised in India mm-hmm. and moved over here when she was in her late teens so 
you know, you could hear it from her accent. And I just felt like it was nice to have that kind of blend, mm. um, appreciating, you know, that I am from a, an Asian background and culture. But growing up in a Western world, it's it was such a different experience for us, especially as probably like, I would say like first generation Asian. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really get brought up watching loads of like Bollywood movies. We could talk all about that. But in terms of like, um, when did I realise? It was just, it's probably when I had those little situations crop up. Um, and it was when it made me think, oh, I am different. And it was probably not any ill will behind it, but those sorts of kind of phrases did make me think a little bit like, oh, I am different to everybody else. What my friends, if I've got white friends and whatnot. Hmm. How about you, Rishan? Tell me about yours. Oh, that's so interesting. It's, it's kind yeah. of similar to yours, like in the sense like, um, I grew up, well, I grew up in Zone 1. You so. did. <laughs> Went to school in Zone that 1. That diary is thick. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it goes way oh, back. You cannot go to the restricted section, like, you know. <laughs> you've no access there like you know the password is like kind of encrypted there (laughs) and yeah so I grew up in zone one and like our school was like a mini United Nations so I always say because we always had the ambassadors children and like uh, diplomatic children and we had people from everywhere so but it was strange there was only a few of us who were like British Indian North Indian um and so the first time I realised was actually a Diwali assembly. So oh. every if you grew up in the UK, you know what I'm talking about. Those candles all... up, <laughs> light us up. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But it was really funny because because um, each class had been allotted like in a different religious occasion. So um, just like on a tangent here, I, our class got given Easter. Oh, and do you know what nice. we did? We were so goddamn creative and ahead of the curve. Well, did you get some shreddies and mix them with chocolate and make mm-hmm. bird's nest? God, we, <laughs> we went even one step further. So we recreated Goosey Goosey Gander. <laughs> and guess who the goose was? Oh, <laughs> it was amazing. That so, long neck. That long neck. I was serving black swan <gasps> or like brown goose. <laughs> one of the and like I had like a goose mask and like all, I had 12 wives because you know, like in the, in the poem oh there's something about 12 God. wives so I had all these girls wearing like uh, white leotards and like they had like goose masks on and then I was like you know reinforcing patriarchy so I just wore white one <laughs> I just had a mask on like I didn't get a costume and like you know they clearly didn't know me back then oh my God. and then my friend had to sing the Goosey Gander song I don't know if you know it it's like Goosey Goosey Gander where do you wander upstairs or downstairs or in your little chamber and then there's some verse about there I met an old man who couldn't so I took him by the left leg and threw him down the stairs we did a crime watch reconstruction of that. <laughs> that's how detailed our class was like you know and then at the end I only had one line and I had like the killer line because then um uh, I can't remember that like, I was meant to have, I was meant to do uh, I, I was a lot of acting from me because yeah. I had to like kind of be like you know my royal subjects and these are my wives but my friend was doing all the narration but then I come out at the end like here are all the eggs my wife laid <laughs> and just throw eggs into the audience <laughs> and like it was a huge hit nonetheless oh one of my top goodness. three assemblies of all time you know I definitely wish that was recorded it should have been recorded it would have been like you it know it's the band aid of its time <laughs> <laughs> But it was really funny because, like, so another class got given Diwali. Yeah. And these were, like, friends of ours. So it was, like, a 
Uh, they ruined it. They, oh my god, they killed it. So they were like kind oh, of no. the, the day before her mum and her uh, nan were like kind of like the hype men, kind of like, you know, oh, we have to get our daughter ready, we're gonna have to do her makeup, she's had to learn the dance and you know, and I was I was quite excited because I was like, Oh my god, this is gonna be like a big ass Bollywood number because I grew up watching Bollywood from the age of four, like I think was the first oh uh, one of the earliest memories I have is of watching Bollywood fi- uh, cinema. Yeah. And I was expecting some big ass Bollywood number. I was like, you know, she, oh my god, she's gonna wear like something gorgeous. And like she comes, uh, like you know, on the day, like um, there was like this projector kind of, you know, doing the old projector where you had to sing the songs. Do you remember that thing where you wrote with the felt tips? Girl, we had electronic whiteboards. And that's <laughs> Clearly, a different generation. Well, back that was in high school. That was high school. Well, back in 1884, <laughs> we had something called a projector, which like projected onto the screen, and. Um, so then, like, my friend came out, and she looked like fucking Krusty the Clown. Like, her makeup was, like, oh, no. Pat Butcher on crack. Like, she what had was blue... she doing with and Cita or something? Yeah, well, she was playing all the fucking roles, you know what oh, I mean? I was like, god. my god. And then, like, she... This is an early version of drag. <laughs> it was, it was like, race. drag gone wrong. Like, you know, the person, like, who does not lip sync for their life. Like, sashay away. <laughs> so she was, like, doing loads of shapes. Like, this means bird. Like, you know, with her hands. So she's oh, making no. shadows on the projector. Oh, no, what does this got to do with Diwali? And then, like, exactly. And then she's like, so I'm now going to tell the story of Diwali. Then they crank out some old song from, like, you know, there's, you know, there's a brown dude who plays the sitar in the Royal Albert Hall. It's like, dun, 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 dun. And I was like, what? And then everyone was cracking up because obviously no oh, one is. No. But and I, and I was like, no, no, this is this is not our culture. Like, but this, that was. <laughs> you rushed stage. You were like Kanye with Taylor getting that award. You were like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had done that honestly like, I, I, I think I think that was the earliest memory I had of being British Asian because first when everyone was laughing I was like th- there was two things that struck oh, out no. to me one was that I understood what was going on stage and I was like that's a really like this is, a terrible production. Yeah, this is a terrible production I was like these production values are down oh. I mean like when you gave me Easter we took it to the next level do you know what I mean we gave it real kind of like concept I mean like we did Black Swan before Brown Goose before <laughs> Black Swan okay <laughs> <laughs> brown goose but um i remember like looking at that and thinking that's not that's not my culture but it is there was this kind of weird that it, it sat uncomfortably with me like in the sense that like i didn't understand why everyone was laughing mm. but at the same time i was like that's not how i see it yeah and then i think that was kind of like the first kind of moment i really felt british asian because i was like oh yeah because there is a familiarity there but there's also something i don't recognize as well so did it make you feel like you were being misrepresented or was it a case of um you know was it like shame i can't i'm trying to work out what is I think that it was sense? A, i yeah. think it's a mix of all of them to be honest with you you're you actually hit the nail on the head i think there was an element of shame that everyone was mm-hmm. laughing and it's like why they were laughing at this? this is not meant to be funny this is diwali this is special like you know and what they're doing there, God knows what the fuck that is. But it it did feel really, really weird. But also at the same time, there was something inside of me that said, oh, yeah, this is, but you do Diwali at home and that you do something completely different. I mean, what was interesting now when I think back on it, mm. they um, that friend was from a different region of India to us. So Punjabis, mm. we do things differently to the Bengalis, for yeah. example, who do things differently to the Gujaratis, yeah. to the Tamils, you know. There's so many different, so yeah. there was all, I think it was a different kind of, but whatever that was, that was not what that was not Diwali, that was not Drag Race, it was not Diwali, it was it was a brown goose, it was a brown something else, do you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, but I, I think that was my earliest memory, and because the thing was, like I said, because everyone was from such diverse places, it, everyone had like a culture and yeah. kind of, and I thought it was just normal, I thought everybody had a rich cultural heritage. But as I grew up and I realised, wow, the cultural heritage that I've come from 
is absolutely incredible and yeah. it's vast. Like no one even knows where it began. That's how like yeah. you know crazy it is. And it also like taught me how to respect other people's cultures as well. Because mm. first I was like, no, mine's the biggest and oldest of all. Yeah. But then I realized, no, that's not the right way to go about it. Like, you know, it. like use this as a moment to let, you know, you've got a reference point. So if you of know course. that certain people celebrate Easter in this way, mm. well, Easter is like your Diwali or Teixeira. Exactly. And, you know, it really made like a big difference. No, I think it sounds like you had a really positive, even though that was obviously a, a, a tough time, obviously. Yeah, I mean, and, and like, I should add that it wasn't instant, like coming to that realisation wasn't instantaneous. Like mm. this has been condensed for <laughs> like the podcast, mm. but it, like it was like it took a good 10, 15 years, like because going through school as well, like as you'll be able to attest mm. to this as well, like, even when you're in the school where the, I don't know, well, actually, I wasn't in the majority. Uh, there wasn't like a, a lot of British Punjabi no. people in my school. So we would had, you say it was because you said it was obviously very diverse because of the ones yeah. diplomats. But mm. then would you say it was mainly white British? Or... Well, actually, the white British was a minority oh, as well. Like, the far right will love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the British white was a minority as well. And like um, we didn't. The predominant, like, I would say it was more religious uh, domination oh, rather than racial, if you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. we had, the school was majority Muslim faith. Then you had, like, a smattering of Hindus, smattering of Christians, mm. and then maybe one Jewish person, and maybe one Zoroastrian yeah. or one uh, Buddhist or something. Yeah. Uh, we had no Sikh, which was really no, interesting. interesting. And, like, but um, as a Hindu Punjabi, I was aware of what Sikh person was, of and, course. like, you know... I mean, was it the same for you? Would you say your school was like that? We had lots of Punjabis, lots of Sikhs. Um, I think we only had one Muslim guy that was there, and there was a Jehovah's Witness. Because remember, we so I went to a Catholic um, primary school, mm. and we'd sing hymns in the morning, yeah. and his mum would come and um, take him out of assembly that, that during that time because that was just. Oh, I wow. mean, that's not yeah, yeah. their faith, mm. so. Um, I'm sure that was really challenging for him, actually, mm. feeling as though he's not really a part of the community. So. Of, of our school, obviously during assemblies in the morning, singing hymns, and mm. we we did the Lord's Prayer actually as well. Now yeah. that I think about it, so it's I felt I think when you brought up in that environment, you almost feel like you forget what your what your heritage is in a way, mm-hmm. and maybe because not because my parents are not proud um, Asians at all, and my dad is such a proud he's so proud of India. Whenever mm. he has an opportunity to send me a link to something about how India did something, we discovered something, he, he loves it. Mm. And I think we'd always, when we were growing up, being like, oh yeah, because we just didn't have that connection to India in the same way they did. Mm. Um, but then we would travel there a lot because that's where all of our family were. So, well, my, my dad's family and my mum's family. So that was the experience we had. So I, I knew that I was a British Asian, but I just didn't really feel, it's almost feel like you don't belong anywhere. Yeah. And... I think it was when you'd have experience. So I just remembered a terrible experience. I, I find it quite funny now, hmm. but I remember at the time it's kind of scarred me a little bit because we were painting ourselves in, it would have been in junior school. Hmm. And I remember getting called back by one of the teachers and she was like, um, well, you've painted yourself the wrong colour, darling. <gasps> and I, I was like, I was like, are we in the makeup colour? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's Max, <laughs> like what? Yeah. And I've just remembered it. And I remember thinking at the time, like, oh, my God, like, what did I do? Was I not the right shade of brown or mm. whatever it was that she wanted? And I remember it wasn't in a, in a way that felt like she was trying to educate me. Mm. It was more a case of 
it felt like she was shaming me almost. And I do remember a little mm. bit of laughing. And I thought, that's when I actually felt... And I remember repainting myself and mm. thinking, bitch, there is different shades of Asian people as well. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be the same colour as whatever Indian other guy there is in the group. And I don't, I don't even know if that was from a, a place of maybe racism or some kind of aggression. But I do remember feeling really... that's when I kind of probably had a bit of an awakening I was like oh my god like I probably don't see myself in the way that um everyone else does yes um and that was probably more colorism rather than in terms of being British Indian Mm. um but it was those little situations that you would go through kind of while you're being raised in uh, you know in the UK as a British Asian when you kind of think oh actually I might feel like I'm a part of this world and be Mm. British and we learn about history and I remember there was another time when I'm going to keep talking about really horrible racist experiences. It's, it wasn't <laughs> it's like funny though. No, I know what you mean. It's but... just kind of coming back. Yeah. And I remember we were watching a video, something about the British Empire, mm. and there was some kind of some particular battle that happened in India between the British and one of the kids who I hated anyway was a total dick. Mm. I remember his name. He just turned around and there was like I think there was a few of us that were Indian. He turned around. He was like, "Whoa, we won the battle!" As if to say yeah. against India. And I thought, yeah. "Well." And I thought, oh, I, I, I live here. I was born here. So what? So who, who do I really have an allegiance to in this mm-hmm. kind of, um, you know, history? So that's why I always felt a little bit like I don't really belong to India because I wasn't born there. And, um, you know, it, it's definitely in my roots. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not British enough almost to yes. qualify in those kind of... I mean, that was obviously, a, you know, a narrow-minded. It was, we were young. We were mm. before high school. Mm. But that always made me feel like... I don't belong in either. It's kind of displacement. I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. And just to go back to you on the colorism point as well, yeah. I think both you and I, I, that completely resonates with me as well because I think both you in and the I. the makeup counter. <laughs> <side. laughs> yeah. It happened to me when I was probably like five. <laughs> yes. I got traumatizing. Well, the thing is, like, my mum used to say, like, because I'm quite, fa- you and I are both yeah, quite fair skin, we're exactly. lighter. Like, there's no such thing as an average skin color. Everybody, yeah. like, there is like. And it could change at different times of year. Like, we go on holidays, we get tanned, and when we get lighter. Exactly. And that was the thing. So, like, when uh, nursery, when my mum came to pick um, me up and the teacher was like, uh, she was asking, is that, you know, like, is that your mum? I was like, yeah. And my mum was always like, they were always wary because like, they didn't think, even though what, what's really strange is because like my mum and I have, like, my mum is slightly darker than me, but not, like, dark, uh, darker than, you know. And um, I need to be care- I want to be careful how I say that as well because I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with being, no. t- you know, that every skin tone is beautiful. It's a, it's a, yeah. but I do genuinely believe I know 100%. that. 100%. And like, I had to find out the hard way because, like, some t- everyone's like, um, oh, yeah, you're light-skinned, it's been easy for you. Bitch, it ain't. No. It's not, isn't it? Like, you must have experienced this as well. It's just, and it's also, you're never, uh, the, the way I always felt growing up, it was always, yeah, because my mum is, she's even paler than me. Like, she's <laughs> really fair-skinned. And I remember it was almost a case of, it, I mean, we can we have the whole podcast for this, yeah, in terms exactly. of colorism, and it it did always feel like in Asian culture it was a case of that status with yes. being lighter. And I remember growing up thinking, oh my god, I have to stay fair skinned to be appealing. Mm. And then I I realized the older I got, I thought that definitely does not define my appearance at all in terms of my status or anything. Like we have so many frustrating things about Indian culture that do like caste system. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't believe in any of that no. stuff because it's judged on what our families did in India and you know I don't I don't have any affiliation with that Mm. at all and even if it is high or low it's like it doesn't mean anything here we don't have but it's still it's still very prevalent so these colorism the caste system all that stuff and I think this is partly what has made 
not distance myself is a wrong word, but when I was growing up in the UK, I didn't ever feel that close to like Indian cinema mm-hmm. or Indian music. And um, I think my parents were very much a case of letting us listen to and watch what we thought was appealing to us. Mm. Um, my dad's never been a really big music fan in general, yeah. so he didn't really care for music. In, in, in mm. So it, it's not like they pushed me into listening to Indian stuff or movies. Mm. We, we watch mostly Western stuff. Yeah, My mum definitely loved it, and I just never had enough of a passion for it, so I just thought, I don't need to listen to it. But then I know that is a huge part of the British Asian culture for a lot of people so yeah. I know that that's a big mm. thing that you love I think definitely in the analogue age back in 1884 <laughs> where because um, I think that was the only kind of like method you, you kind of got a snapshot of or you know what was mm. go, kind of going on because you know how cinema and art reflects what was mm. going on around in society at the time so I think that's uh, probably where it all came from because I, I learned to speak Hindi from watching Bollywood films because it was through imitation and learning you know my vocabulary was increased and then the music as well sometimes there'd be these really complicated words and I'd ask my mum what does this mean and she wouldn't know mm-hmm. and then I'd like have to go and find out and then it's only through oh. the film that I'd find out that this is a very complicated term so could your mum not speak Hindi then? No, so she can speak Hindi yeah, but yeah, like I think the, um, the, the thing is like it's such a vast kind of um, the language itself mm. is so complicated and vast imagine. and like um, our parents like they learned Hindi like we can speak Hindi, Punjabi or do oh, so you, oh, I didn't know you could speak Urdu as well. Go, I can get down Shaki. like that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. It's so funny, actually, when I went to Barcelona the first time, I um, on my first night, I kept getting lost because I couldn't find where my hotel was. <laughs> so I'd pop into these, and there was a lot of uh, Urdu speakers there. Oh, like, and I spoke more, I ended up seeing more Urdu than <laughs> Catalan or Spanish or English. It was so bizarre. I was like, where the hell am I? Like, you know, is everyone speaking? It's like, it felt really, and even when I went to Dubai as well, like I was dropping into Urdu and Hindi just like, no tomorrow, though. like, you know. But I think it's, you're right, it's because I, it wasn't forced, but it was like, I just, I had natural interest in it. Which like, is a good thing, it's not a bad thing at no. all. It's, it, you get influenced, don't you, by your parents and, yeah. Yeah, and people around. I mean, both my brothers, they, they weren't interested in it at all. Mm. They were more interested in, like, Western films and, you know, yeah. my uh, older brother, he liked, like, Chinese cinema as well. Nice. So that he they went more towards that. And then there was me, like, you know, Bollywood all the way, like, oh, you know, nice. ready to jump into song any, <laughs> any given it. moment, like, you know. But um, so let's move on. Like, so, because, yeah, you're right, the colorism could take up, like, a whole, a like... Because um, in terms of, like, uh, you know, we kind of, like, nicknamed this podcast between us the Coconut Express... <laughs> Now, coconut is like quite a loaded term. So I wanted to ask you, what does being called coconut, being called a coconut mean to you? And do you think it's a racist slur? Uh, So I think what I, the first time I heard that sort of kind of analogy was like being called a bounty Mm. or or hearing people call one another bounty bars. And I just thought, okay, so firstly, it means that you have to be that shade of brown and then you have to be in that, that shade, shade of white, white on yeah. the inside mm. and when I say on the inside in terms of you have to be super western yeah. and I just thought oh, why is there no grey is there <laughs> yeah. no grey in between no it's just one or the other and that's what I, well, I hate feeling like I have to fit into a box mm. and kind of going back to what I was saying earlier in terms of how my parents raised us they knew that look um, being a Sikh, a um, British Sikh mm. as well, they didn't want to put pressure on us to have to, you know, wear a turban because they thought, look, you know, in a Western world, it's going to be harder to kind of maybe maintain that. Mm-hmm. And maybe they would, maybe that's the wrong choice in some people's minds. I, I feel happy with yeah. the upbringing I've had. Mm-hmm. They encouraged us to be ourselves. Yeah. Um, 
but they didn't in any way kind of force us into any kind of choices. And when I think about the examples that were around me, um, I ha- a lot of my family members in the UK were like extended family were what you would say a coconut or bounties. Mm. And they were the ones that we kind of looked to as um, kind of not the wrong models is the wrong word, but people that had achieved yes. a lot of success. And a lot of them just didn't speak any other language. It was English only. Mm-hmm. And I remember my dad saying when, when we were growing up, he was like, look, I don't want you guys because I know his cousins, some of them just couldn't speak English at all. Mm-hmm. His extended family that were in the UK, mm-hmm. they couldn't speak Punjabi at all. Mm-hmm. And he he was always like, look, you know, I don't want you guys to not be able to communicate with your family in India mm-hmm. and to miss out on that kind of experience. Yeah. So when I would grow up, I'd kind of, because we did speak English a lot at home, mm. it made it more challenging to kind of not feel as though the the root or the kind of role models that I can kind of connect more with were the, the coconuts in yeah. our family. Mm-hmm. So it was just, I, I think it felt almost as though if you were someone that was very, very Western, mm. but you were Indian, then... It, it it's like a little bit of a cop-out to some kind of parts of the community. But then for others, it made me think, look, they've gone to university, they've got like good education, they've got a good job. Mm. And it made me think, well, that's the route to success. Why well, I almost didn't see coconut always as a bad thing, mm. which sounds bad, doesn't no, it? No, it doesn't, not at all. But I kind of thought, oh, okay, then if I become more Western, mm. then that is a road to success. But I quickly learned as I was growing up and have the good example of my parents, which is they sent us to Punjabi school too. Mm. I mean, I can speak Punjabi fluently. Mm. It's conversational. I yeah. can't use it in a business context, mm. I don't think. But it's something that I feel proud of mm. because, you know, no matter, you know, what my interests are, at least I know I can have conversations with my, you know, my family members that only speak Punjabi or my friends' parents. Mm. And, and that is important to me. And it's because of my parents saying, look, we don't want you to only be able to speak English because it'll impact your accent. Because that was the reason why my dad's cousins didn't speak any Punjabi because their parents were like, no, they'll speak English differently. So we don't want them to speak Punjabi. Oh, it was that kind yeah. of mentality. And I just, mm. I don't remember my dad being like, look, I can speak both and I don't sound any different. So you can do, you can, you can do, do the same, same thing. Mm. And like you said, it opens up another world because like, the elders in particular, like, because um, I was the same. So I'd learned Hindi and Punjabi. You know, my mum always speaks, even now to this day, speaks Hindi and Punjabi to me at home all the time. Amazing. Like, you know, if she speaks English, we know that I'm in trouble. Oh, no. <laughs> that's, that's when I know. It's like, oh, shit, <laughs> done something wrong there. But um, they're right that it opens up a new world. And also to be able to converse with elders, because this was a big thing as well, because like my... Um, Dad's auntie, she was quite old and like being able to talk to her in Punjabi, I was able to kind of delve deeper than everybody else because I'd be able to be like, what, tell me about your story. Mm. Tell me, how did you come from that village in Punjab to Slough? <laughs> like, you know, and she was able to tell me like she was married off at 13. Wow. And like, you know, things like uh, having loads of miscarriages and, you know, all these kind of things like which I wouldn't have never have known. And also that also prompted me to go and do some more kind of research so it might be like i might go and read an autobiography or i might go and read a history book like in school um luckily because of the secondary school i went to it was uh quite a well i say progressive it wasn't very progressive but the 
one of the history components was Indian history. And even though it was all taught about, oh, you know, well, the British left in 1947 and the whole place went to shit. And it's like, um, but it was a good starting point because then it, uh, my teacher was from South Africa. Yeah. And she had like lived, uh, like she'd been there during apartheid and stuff. And like, you know, she wow. was like very, she was very clued up. Mm-hmm. And she would say to me, like, you know, when we would like do stuff and like, you know, once I think in my essays or something, I wrote something really judgmental. I was so judgmental. Or judgmental. Or judgmental. <laughs> <laughs> And she said to me, look, this is really judgmental. You can't say this. But she said, also, think about this more. Like, she's such a brilliant teacher, Miss Good. God bless her, wherever she is. And she was like, you know, go and read other books. She said, this is not the only perspective there oh. is. And I was like, oh, that, was, that really blew my mind. Because I was like, okay. And then when I started reading history books and stuff, and I'd see different, like, for example, when I learned about 1919, mm. So previously I mentioned I read that book recently, The Patient Assassin. And like that was like a whole learn and when I actually went to Amritsar as well to the Golden Temple for the first time, which was incredible. And then going to Jallianwala Bagh, and then you just you see it in a completely different light. It's like you realise it's not just one perspective. There's it's three hundred and sixty degrees. Like Mm. there's so much more going on. So yeah, no, that's amazing. I think your dad was so right to open that world up to you because otherwise it just stays closed and you kind, of, you kind of miss out on a lot. I think. And I think that whole kind of, you know, if our kind of like forefathers and whoever spoke English, we'd be able to communicate with them in a different way. Yeah. And we would have probably found out those stories and been able to ask them these but questions. But that language barrier, it would have been, yeah. And then it's just that person who's like, oh, you, you know, the old dear, we're going to go and see her. And like, you know, because I've seen some people just literally pay lip service, like, you know, where they'll go and pay respects to their elders. Yeah. And then all the young people go to one side and all the elders are on yeah. the other side. And there's no kind of mixing. And I'm like, this is so boring. Like, yeah. you know, because all the youngsters, not that it's, you know, when you're, a certain, there is a certain period of time where you just want that, where you just want to be around young people. Or you just want to be around her. But it was, it was just sad because I think those were the, one of the, like, the really special memories when everybody was sat together mm-hmm. and we were all talking about different, and like someone might say something, oh, do you know about Michael Jackson? And the older people didn't know who Michael Jackson was. Yeah. Or, right? yeah, that was quite sweet, I thought. And in terms of coconut tea, what did that? What was your kind of connotations for that phrase? And so my older brother, so both my older brother and younger brother, they are again. It kind of goes back to colorism, like how I kind of started on this road to coconutting, <laughs> for want of a better term. <laughs> um, but my uh, they used to call me the Milky Bar kid because I was, <laughs> I was like, to them both of them. I mean, all these chocolate places kind of getting like you know these shout outs and so what have you. Free advertising. Telling you like we are, we're, we're exactly if we we're influencers right now. We'd be like getting <laughs> coin, but um, yeah. So we uh, coconut to me like it was always kind of like a kind of traders like a kind of it was an insult, but then later on it kind of became um, a term for code switching for me. Mm. So in the sense that we could go to the pub with our white friends, as it were. Or be in an environment where there's no other Asian people. You can be the, and very often I have been like the only Asian in the room. And, um, you know, I could go into that environment, be comfortable and, you know, do what I need to do. But then also go into an environment where it was completely like, you know, Asian and be, you know, and sometimes within this, because being a zone one ho, within the space of 24 hours, I've done that where like, you know, I've been in the club. And then I've been at a prayer meet like twelve hours later, yeah. and like you know, if you knew, like, you know, balancing the balancing it out, <laughs> and if you listen to our OnlyFans, you'll know you'll know how I managed to balance that out. But um, you can do the splits, <laughs> exactly one leg there, one leg there. Um, but yeah, I think it was it became it did it what well, it can be racist, and I I think mm-hmm. well no actually I don't know to be honest it's 
for me now, I see it as more as code switching. But at the same time, I can see how it can be weaponized and used as a racist slur. Mm. So like, you know, oh, you're such a coconut. Like, for example, all our cousins who live in like kind of Asian environments, mm. they were always like, oh, you lot are all coconuts. Or, mm. And to me, they were like, oh, you're white. Yeah. And like that's and that made me almost like whenever I had that reaction it made me think well I don't want to be anything but what I am. So yeah. if it's a coconut then I feel I'm feeling then bad, I'm a coconut, I'm proud bad. coconut. Yeah, yeah so exactly. But it's just frustrating that you couldn't you had to be deemed something that's kind of like has a, a negative connotation rather than just being oh you're a British Asian that is, you know, I don't know into other things, not hmm. just playing the drums. <laughs> like, that's something that I was always so afraid of. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to grow up playing the You're going to have to do the, the drum, door player, door player weddings, wedding. parties. <laughs> I was just always so afraid. I was like, oh my God, it's going to be me Thank one you. <laughs> It's so bad, isn't it? Oh my god, that, uh, that has triggered me, honestly. <laughs> Listeners, if you're triggered, there's like helplines at the so end of the. It was just such a fear, an irrational fear of mine. I was like, I'm going to be playing the drums. Oh gosh. Um, so, actually, so taking it uh, to a different place now, um, what was the your first experience or the first time you'd realised you'd like experienced racial discrimination? Well, other than that makeup counter in my bloody <laughs> junior school. <laughs> Mac Wolverhampton. Oh, God, they had two shades, dark or light, and I didn't qualify for either. <laughs> Honestly, I can't believe I remembered that now while talking to you. Mm. It's so bad. Um, except for that, um, oh, there was one time in high school mm. where, because to be fair, I kind of didn't experience it often, maybe because the, the schools were so mixed, and I grew up on a street where there were so many Asian families and when we got to our late teens we really just didn't enjoy it and I think it had a different vibe but when we were young like under 10 it was amazing because it was such a sense of community and it everyone gelled the white people the Asians blacks everyone got on and it was it was nice but I think when I got to high school that people have a different I don't know teenagers just can be difficult can't they yeah and there was one of my um, good friends. I can't remember. We had a she, her best friend, uh, fell out with her, hmm. and I kind of was my close friend. I was on her side about it, and I was like, "Oh, don't worry, we can sort it out and stuff." And then okay, I think she somehow I don't know because I was obviously siding with my. So there were two girls, two mm-hmm. white girls. Hmm. Um, I was siding with one of them. The other one got annoyed that I had kind of picked a side, but I thought, "Well, I was never really that good friends with you. Why does it matter?" Mm-hmm. Some and this is the days of when we did have mobile phones, and mm. I remember getting a text on my phone, and it was like I think it said, um, "Stay away from." I won't say that person's name. Mm. You packy, <gasps> and I was just like, I mean, it completely made me laugh because yeah. I spelt it with an IE. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I just can't you order those from Amazon. Like what? The thing is, I was so boosted that I got a text because this is <laughs> very early on when we had phones. I was just like, it was like on your so, Motorola <laughs> Razor. <laughs> And my Max on champagne phone. and I was like, no one had a phone to text me anyway. Yeah. So I was like, I got a text. <laughs> it was a Rachel stuff, and I was like, I know this is to do with that girl. Yeah. So then I went in the next day, and I was just like, look, I know your boyfriend obviously sent me this text. Yeah. Um, you know, you need to teach him how to spell. Yeah. And also, I'm Indian. I'm not from Pakistan. If yeah. that's if that mm. helps you kind of clarify. And then when and then I went and told. You know, the girl that she was battling with, the one that was meant to be Mm. my friend as well. I was like, 
oh my god like laughing with her saying I can't believe they called me a Paki I'm not even Pakistani and then she turns around and says to me she's like but that's what we're raised to believe (gasps) and I thought "Uh, bitch you are my hit list now as well yeah (laughs) exactly I'm going to block you on my phone I was like raised to believe she was almost siding with the racist because she was like Oh, you know, don't don't um, take the piss out of him for not knowing that you're Indian because we're raised to believe that you're all Pakistani. That we're all monolith, <laughs> that we're all from one place. Like I was like, okay, I was like, yeah, you're going down too. Yeah. Um. But, so that was one of my earliest experiences. But I was so boosted to go text. <laughs> 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 well, sorry, this is very <laughs> Yeah, exactly. If you just tuned in, <laughs> Sunny just got a text message. Um, so mine actually was in school in year eight. Uh, so I had a wonderful English teacher in year seven called Mr. Weinbrin. God bless him wherever he is. He really encouraged me and you know made me like he was. He was another. I was so lucky that um, especially in subjects that I did well in, that my teachers would encourage me so much. Mm. And the, like Mr. Weinbrin was excellent. He was always like saying to me, right, you need to get A's and stuff. So he, he's like, go and read newspapers, go and read magazines, Amazing. read things that you're not used to reading. Like he would make me go, he, like he'd be reading like Ben Elton, who was like, <laughs> it was huge at the time. And he said, go and read this book. And then like, I'd be like, sir, but I didn't understand this. I didn't understand that. And like, he would explain it. So he was such a sweetheart. Mm. So in year eight, he went to Canada and a, a teacher from Canada came over, Mr. Allen. Mm. And Mr. Allen was just like, he just did not like any of us. He was, uh, he would, for want of a better term, it was like you'd notice that he would be, the few white pupils that were there, they could do whatever they wanted. Mm. So like they wouldn't do their homework. Oh, that's no problem. Anybody else would get a detention. And like with me, like he kept grading me down all the time. He's like, you haven't done this, you haven't done this. And I was working really hard. I was trying to do everything that he said. And it was really weird because in, uh, in year nine, like when Mr. Weinbrin came back, I said to, he said, how did you find Mr. Allen? And I was like, I didn't really like him. And he said, <laughs> see you next Thursday. Exactly, see you next Thursday, exactly. And then like Mr. Weinbrun was like, why? And I said, look, I worked really hard on this. And he said that it wasn't very good, blah, blah. Mr. Weinbrun said, let me have a look. Mm. And then he didn't actually like say anything like to say like, um, oh, Mr. Allen. Should... When he get, he said like, well, I would have given you an A for this because he said like, you've done mm. a lot more than you know. So he said, so don't worry about it. I'm back now, blah, blah. And, yeah. But that was my first thing because then uh, I just couldn't work out what I was like, why is What is different about yeah. me? Yeah. And like the first thing that I noticed was that all the students who were white seemed to be getting a free pass. And if you were non-white, you weren't. And that there was just no sense or rhyme or reason for it and I was like this is so bizarre and then um, a bit in the back of my head like I didn't it was like that kind of the assembly everybody laughing like I couldn't you know it doesn't quite compute but then later on as an adult you realize oh this is what was going on it was his biases or you know and I was really surprised because in Canada as well we'd heard like about you know this Canada's quite racially diverse as well so you'd expect Mm. like a lot of Asians Asians there Indians people people from all around the world I think go to because Canada encourages people to migrate there so um I was really surprised um but then at the same time God I don't know what his experience was maybe he just thought oh because the school itself had a bad reputation and there was a lot of troublemakers. This is your high then, school. Yeah, this high school, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because high school, we had like lower school and upper school. So lower school was three years and that was kind of local. Mm-hmm. And then upper school was like zone one, one, literally like yeah. in the centre of zone one. And that was, a, a, we had two lower schools and then you're all brought together in upper school yeah. for two years. Well, 
GCSE. So that was like a kind of collegiate environment. The idea was like you have your three years of secondary. Yes. And then you kind of go into this college environment. Interesting. But it's a bit too much to give young children. It was a bit too much for us. Like I would have thought so. We needed age. to be constrained at that age and stuff. So mm. I think that was really the first real kind of like racial experience. I mean, there was loads of others. Like there was loads of times when Sadly. sometimes like... Um, my parents would like send me into a shop or something and mm. say, can you go and buy this? Cause like you speak, you know, because they were speaking English, speak English or whatever. And like they wouldn't, you know, it was that kind of stuff. But as a child, you don't really notice it. It's only, you, you just don't understand why you're being excluded. And then only as an adult or later on, like, you know, in conversations I've had with my mum and like I said, like, why did this happen? She said, oh yeah, there was a man, a shopkeeper. He didn't, every time he went in, he was horrible to us. But when we sent you in, you were fine. Oh and it didn't even occur to me. I was always just like, oh God, why do I have to go in? Why can't my older yeah. brother go in? Or, well, yeah. They're just trying to shelter you from that kind of um, insight into how someone may treat you differently because you speak another language. Speak another language or look a different way or, or something. Heritage. So, I mean, it, it's quite, I mean, it's so funny that if, think, speaking of Zone 1 and being Zone 1 hose, mm-hmm. do you know that Notting Hill once was considered a no-go area? Like when mm-hmm. we were growing up, like Notting Hill wasn't a desirable place to live now it's like all the million... it's like it has been for at least 10 15 years yeah. it's so desirable they sucked like all the life out of it like you know <laughs> <laughs> for one to a better term <laughs> all, the, all the best areas like... of <laughs> and now it is what it is it's dry anyway moving on um so the next question and um, do, do you think being british asian makes us more british or does it make us more asian yeah so it kind of goes back to what it goes back saying, to what we we're saying earlier. Yeah. it's really difficult because it's almost like we're something else when we're not well we are british mm. but it's like we're not the same as maybe our white friends who are you know who their generations mm. have been raised here um it's difficult because when i go to india so as kids what we did oh, i'd always hear my other school friends talk about going to different destinations mm. and they were like, oh, where did you go on your holidays and i was like well you know because i go during term time yeah. because i got <laughs> yeah. out of school to go to india for a wedding for seven weeks <laughs> <laughs> i was always that kid that had yeah. that perfect attendance record yeah. i was like i never want to miss a day of school i want to get in the newspaper there was a kid that got in the newspaper for not missing a day of school i got chicken pox i was like i'm scratching i'm still going Oh, exactly. <laughs> Covering yourself up in your Mac. <laughs> the wrong shape. The wrong shape. <laughs> and I was like, always going to like, I mean, it was, it was, now I look back and think, I'm so lucky that I got to go to India as a kid. Mm-hmm. It's so incredible. But when we were younger, we were like, oh my God, really? We How are we going? There's no Insta jealousy with India right now. It's way back in the day. And it was just felt like a, a huge burden, and it was mm. it was never ever planned. But I mean, my dad just didn't care. He was like, "Look, this is when the wedding is. We are We're going next week." Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's like... And the teachers would hate it. But to be fair, because we performed well at school anyway, they didn't really care. Yeah. They were like, "Look, he'll he'll be fine." Mm. And I remember going on those holidays and thinking, "Okay, so then you're there." And you just feel so different there. Mm. <laughs> so you don't fit in there. You're walking around between the shops and everyone knows that you're obviously a British Asian. So they're like flock around you to beg and stuff. Mm. Like, you know, there's so much poverty there. It just it breaks your heart. It's mm. so bad. And then even how our family in India live. I mean, my dad's um, family live in like a village. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously they've got loads of farmland. Mm. But my mum lives in more like a town, like a city. Yeah. So we had two completely different experiences there in terms of when we'd spend time with them. One thing I absolutely loved was the time around all of our family because mm. all of my mum's um, family and all of my dad's lived in India, the, yeah. their immediate family. Same. So there was a huge sense of community. Mm. And that was amazing. 
but then it was we still felt different because we were always like kind of not tiptoed around but we were just made to feel really special which is so nice yes, now that I think yeah. back to it I mm-hmm. think we're so lucky to have that kind of red carpet treatment mm-hmm. but we didn't really feel like we belonged and it was always a case of oh my god when are we going to go home because yeah. I just want those home comforts and mm-hmm. like you know I miss like neighbors basic, yeah neighbors <laughs> home in a way neighbors doesn't come on there's a weird channel up. exactly yeah. oh my god even on our VHS recorder we started <laughs> to record you can't catch up mm. And it was just all those simple things like breakfast. You don't really like cereals. I just it wasn't back in the day when we would go to India. Mm-hmm. It was they didn't have that same access to the same sort of thing. Like the only thing they had was like wimpy, which is still going <laughs> yeah. strong, isn't it? <laughs> but it's not like wimpy here. It's like completely. Do they have wimpy here? Yeah, they used to be. And I think like some seaside towns still have. Oh that. my gosh, like, it was so basic, and it was just like no, it everything always just wasn't the same as a home and. Now I've realized, and when I go on holiday now, it's like I want to go away from anything British. Yeah. You want to get away from what you're used to. Mm-hmm. And now I think, oh my god, I'm so lucky to have. You know, we went to tours of temples, and we went to the Golden Temple. You know, um, Taj Mahal. Mm-hmm. You got to stay in like villages in India and experience mm-hmm. what that lifestyle is like. It's and go to huge weddings. It's just such a different, amazing world. But didn't fit in there. Mm-hmm. Didn't fit in here. So it's just. You kind of code switch, don't you? So yeah. you go between the two. And mm. yeah, that, that was kind of how I feel about it. Mm. I, I feel exactly the same, to be honest with you. It's that whole, I think that's one reason also why we're such good friends as yeah. well, because like, we understand that understanding. Yeah. And like so many of my other friends as well who have that same kind of predicament where, yeah. you know, they'll go to Morocco or they'll go to yeah. China or wherever they go. Same thing to relate to. Yeah. And I think it's, it can be, it feels really, yeah, you do feel displaced. And sometimes you just wonder, where am I from? Who am I? And then other times you're like, I'm so lucky that I've got dual cultures, dual heritage to kind of like dive into and be a part of. And and in a way as well, like as British Asians, we've almost got our own hybrid culture, haven't yeah, we? That's like how you I know, feel it is. like we've got our own kind of. Uh, you know, for example, uh, Bangra music. You know, the whole kind of weddings in like, like <laughs> irrational fear of the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to trick you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you want, then we'll, let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, it, it's true. I, th- I think in terms of like um, our, our tastes, I think that's kind of what helps sometimes people kind of gel and kind of connect with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, yeah, you love Asian music and you love Bollywood cinema, yeah. but it doesn't mean that we haven't been able to connect because of that same sense of like belonging or lack of belonging sometimes. Exactly. Do you remember when we went to that Bollywood night? <laughs> did we go to a Bollywood Oh my God. Remember, the only Bollywood night you went to. Oh, yeah. You were just literally, I remember like you didn't even bother to. You were like she, you were like Sheree turning up at that fashion show after her oh, son's like, recital. Like, you literally turned up in your cardigan and you're like, I hope no one sees me. I hope no one sees me. And then you bumped into some oh friends of yours. That's so funny. And they were like, Sunny. And I was like, oh my God, I need to put my shades on. I need to get out of here. And I was like, I can't believe I've been spotted in a nation club. Literally, like, the first thing I still remember that like, you whispered to me and you were just like, oh God, I wish I'd dressed up now. <laughs> I was like, no one's going to see me here. I don't know anyone Asian here. I love that how everybody we went with, we went with a big, massive crew. And like, you're, I'm the person that you told, like, I wish I'd dressed up. It's, it's like, I understand. <laughs> I did not think I was going to get checked. <laughs> Who going to check me? Cookie and them were there. <laughs> or like the Punjabi cookie and them. It would be cookie, would it? <laughs> and if it's you don't like know, Pablo's night. Yeah, oh God. Oh, I mean, that was like a really nice members club and like once a month it'd get taken over for this Bollywood night. And <laughs> you just... dragged me there. You literally <laughs> did. We were like, you're going to 
was so much fun. <laughs> Literally, we were like doing dance routines from dance class. I you were, I'm you, standing you were just, I know, you were standing there clutching your cardigan. Like, <laughs> when can I get out of here? <laughs> and these are the pre-Uber days. Remember, it was, the club was like in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Where was that? It was West London. It's West London. It was like 10 minutes from my house. But it was like... Hey, you just for me. <laughs> Literally, and like you had to be like, damn, my ride home is still dancing, so I can't do anything. Oh, it's so funny. That was just, oh, oh very... my goodness, that's good memory. <laughs> so, um, what makes you proud to be British Asian, then, would you say? So, so many of the things that we've been talking about, and, and one that we haven't said is the food. Like, <gasps> yes. growing up in a household where you get to have so much different cuisine, mm. and Indian food is so eclectic. There is so many different things that you can have like you know obviously we got the dolls and we got the subjis but like you know all like the like jarred i'm thinking yeah. of so like there's all and like gorgape <gasps> it's like all Go these incredible things mm. so whenever i go and obviously because here i don't get to eat that stuff yeah. whenever i go home that's like the first thing i say to my parents i was like i've missed xyz especially during lockdown the first time i went home i was mm. like mom, mom, mom she normally says to me what do you want to eat yeah. and i'm like no, but for starters, no English food. Yeah. It's like nothing but starters. I'll have samosas. Exactly. <laughs> like mains, I have like dance of the or buris which exactly. were there. I was like, I don't want to eat anything Western. I was like, I had it all. <laughs> nothing from Europe, Asia, anywhere else in Asia except India. And she was like, fine. So then, yeah, that that's one of the things that makes me so most proud. Mm. I think for me, it's our our cultural heritage is just like amazing. Like the, every time mm. I delve into it, there's so much there. And the other thing is as well, is like, because we uh, kind of like, you know, I was thinking back to what you were saying, like how the coconut cousins, like how they would only, they learnt, they went on a particular route and didn't want to like learn their language and stuff. But the fact is that when you kind of like really tap into your cultural heritage and you engage with it, you learn so much, not only yeah. about yourself, but it really does open so many other doors. Yeah. Like learning my language helped me learn languages at school. And like, you know, yeah. I was able to learn the kind of, mm. European language, you know, the French, uh, German, Spanish, mm. like the food, like you say, like um, we're much more adventurous with our food, like, you know, uh, rather than if we had just had like a limited cuisine of something. Because, yeah, like you said, the Indian food is so broad. I love our fashion as well. I mean, our clothes are so bright and like, they're not always that, that bright. That comes but... through in so many different parts of our personality without me realising. I don't really think about Indian fashion, but it probably comes out in my You dress like dress. a peacock and you're like, oh, hell, hell, where did this come from? <laughs> I mean, my fashion fire like constant rainbow. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Literally, I'll be I'll wear something super glam, and everyone's like, "What the hell are you doing?" And, I was, and like you and know, other people like don't dress up, and I'll be like shading them, and be like, "You can at least put some effort in," because you know yeah. that's what we do, though, isn't it? Like even like it'd be like a lady sinky in someone's backyard. <laughs> <laughs> and if you came, like if you came you in your car down for those people that don't know what a lady singing. Oh yes, of course. So, and also for me, officially, I don't know what that is, but I know it's women singing around a campfire. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, not a, nice. that's fat camp <laughs> you know that was painful for me <laughs> no so Lady Sangeet is part of an Indian wedding so you know the Indian wedding there's lots of um, pre-events so oh, it's like 15 days of it, oh god exactly our wedding but I love our oh, weddings the best our, you know what I love our Punjabi wedding. weddings oh my like, gosh like outfit changes the food the music the, the drums <laughs> But it's just so, that's what I mean. Like, where else in the world would you get to da- do Bangra down Park Lane unless in India? I was leading the procession oh. in 2012. I'll show you the picture. I've got I receipts. See this. But I went to a wedding in 2012 and, like, we got to, like, you know, dance down Park Lane. Oh and I was just like, this is one of the best moments of my this life. This was completely unofficial. This was not going <laughs> to 
Well, you're not allowed. You know that. <laughs> we literally like if we start dancing now, the police, it's good, the traffic was so bad. So that we 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 managed to do the whole thing, get the groom to the entrance, <laughs> and then get inside before the police could come. Oh, but I mean that that kind of makes me really proud to be yeah, British yeah. Asian. I mean it's so much fun, and like you know, when people see like kind of ask me about my culture as well, and. I'm able to, you know, first, first it was really hard when people say, why do you do this? Why, do, why does everyone wear a red dot? And now I'm just kind of like, bitch, that's <laughs> our, <red dot. laughs> you know, the bindi. Oh <laughs> but now I'm like, that's our third eye, bitch. And it's like, yours, yours needs a good thing too. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I was like, your chakras are fucked, girl. Like, you need to get them cleansed. And <laughs> I can really articulate now and I can really explain like certain things. And, you know, for example, when I used to observe the Navratri fast as well. And like, because um, we that's went to the sticks, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where one beats each other with sticks. Like that. No, so actually, that's Dandia you're talking about. Dandia. Right? And Dandia, yeah, it takes yeah. place in the kind of autumn Navratri. Yeah. And Navratri is kind of like equinox. Yeah. So it's like spring equinox oh, and autumn no, equinox. And because um, when I went to um, school, I remember like, because in the Muslim school, when it was Ramadan, we all knew what Ramadan was about. Like, you know, you don't eat anything from sun uh, sunrise to sunset. Mm. And... Um, in the Navratri, you were able to eat limited foods because okay. the idea is to eliminate kind of certain salts and kind of yeah. uh, chemicals from the body and give the body a rest and rejuvenation and stuff. Nice. And back then, I couldn't explain it. But now, because of that, when people would ask me, I wouldn't know the answer. And I'd go home because and Because we would do it sometimes without really thinking. Without even thinking about it. It was just, it. It was just something that we did. Yeah. But now I'm fully able to explain it. And not only that, I can shade you. If, you, <laughs> if your third eye is looking a bit peaky... You're going you to pump your peaky <laughs> into it? I'd be like, no, bitch. Anyway, I'm going to check your third eye. But in the meantime, we'll be back after this. Okay. And we're back. So um, we've checked uh, Sunny's third eye. And unfortunately, he's gone to A&E. <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky that I am. actually no eye loss. always down the road. <laughs> Oh, God. Well, so there you have it. So from two very proud British Asians, um, you know, with Brexit and the resurgence of the far right, it feels more important right now to own and love our cultural heritage, but to also be objective about the impact of our culture, our culture can have and look to building and maintaining the progressive and positive elements, really. Yeah, I completely agree with that, Bush. And I think it's a topic that I didn't even really appreciate is so important to our daily lives. It's just a part of who we are. But actually dissecting these things helps me kind of understand myself a little bit better. Absolutely. And I think, I think it's, yeah, that's the whole point. It's like to start dialogue and mm. stuff. So speaking of starting dialogue, if people want to, you know, let us know, your, you yes. know, if you want to contact us on the socials, so Facebook and Instagram. It's at The Podcast Is Mine on Facebook and Instagram. Nicely done. And then Twitter is Podcast Is Mine. Because <laughs> anyone else have that. <laughs> but uh, but that's for other for operational reasons. Yes. Or you can always email us at thepodcastismine at gmail dot com. So I guess yeah, that's that was quite good. I really yes. enjoyed that. That was it's really wonderful. fun. Well, there's nothing left to say, but oh, there is one thing left to say. Oh, the, the podcast, podcast is, is mine. mine. <laughs>